Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 84 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 2 Samuel chapter 7 today and our focus is on learning how to pray. So this is a daily podcast where we dig into God's word one chapter at a time and discuss the truths in that chapter Two days a week, we are in the Old Testament. Five days a week, we're in the New Testament. I do want to point you to our website. Every day we have an episode, and every day we have a transcript of that episode on the website at Bible2021.com. That's B-I-B-L-E 2021.com. You can contact us through that page, and uh, like I said, get a transcript with Uh, pretty much everything I say in the episode, as well as the scriptures that we go through. So check that out. Today, we are in the Old Testament, and we're going to learn about God's covenant promise to King David. David, as you might remember, was one of the youngest sons of his father and a shepherd. His father's household, Jesse's household, wasn't particularly noteworthy in Israel, but God handpicked David to be the king that would succeed King Saul. More importantly, God picked David to be the king that would begin an eternal dynasty that would ultimately lead to the reign of King Jesus. David was a very interesting and rare sort of character, a warrior poet, one of the rarest combinations you find in men. He was brave and bold and skillful as a warrior, but he was also sensitive, artistic, musical, and passionately in love with God. He wrote many of the Psalms, and it's fair to say, I think, that no human in history has ever, has had a greater influence on the singing of praise to God than David has. David was also a mighty man of prayer. Many of his Psalms, though musical, are most certainly prayers, deep and thoughtful outpourings of the heart to God. The Psalms are a great way for you and I to learn how to pray probably better than any book on prayer ever written. So how do we learn how to pray? Once we've learned the basics of prayer, how do we learn to pray like in a deeper, maybe more mature way? I find the best way to learn to pray is to read and listen to the prayers of spiritual giants like David. And in our chapter today, we have a wonderful example of prayer to learn from. Now, I don't think we should copy those kind of prayers exactly, Uh, I'm not saying we should listen and and read great prayers and then say those exact things like it's some sort of magic formula or whatever, because I don't think there's a magic formula to prayer. In fact, I think if we take sort of a formulaic approach to prayer, it probably won't greatly benefit our prayer life, but rather it'll lead us to drudgery and vain repetition and probably boredom in our own hearts. Instead, by listening and reading the prayers of those who are deeper into prayer than we are, we can certainly learn some principles and approaches that help us when we are struggling to pray. Well, let's read the chapter and let's see how David's prayer, which is at the end of the chapter, can help you and I learn to pray. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. When the king had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all of his enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I'm living in a cedar house while the house of God sits inside tent curtains. So Nathan told the king, Go and do all that is on your mind, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go to my servant David and say, This is what the Lord says. 
Are you to build me a house to dwell in? From the time I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt in a house. Instead, I've been moving around with a tent is my dwelling. In all my journeys with all the Israelites, have I ever spoken a word to one of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, asking, Why haven't you built me a house of cedar? So now this is what you were to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of Armies says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a great name for you, like that of the greatest on the earth. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not continue to oppress them as they have done. Ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with the rod of men and blows from mortals. But my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported, All these words and this entire vision to David. Then King David went in, sat in the Lord's presence, and said, Who am I, Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? What you have done so far was a little thing to you, Lord God, for you have also spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. And this is a revelation for mankind, Lord God. What more can David say to you? You know your servant, Lord God, because of your word and according to your will, you have revealed all these great things to your servant. This is why you are great, Lord God. There is no one like you, and there is no God beside you, as all we have heard confirms. And who is like your people, Israel? God came to one nation on earth in order to redeem a people for himself, to make a name for himself, and to perform for them great and awesome acts, driving out nations and their gods before your people, You redeemed for yourself from Egypt. You established your people Israel to be your own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, Lord God, fulfill the promise forever that you have made to your servant in his house. Do as you have promised, so that your name will be exalted forever. When it is said, the Lord of armies is God over Israel, the house of your servant David will be established before you, since you, Lord of armies, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant when you said, I will build a house for you. Therefore, your servant has found the courage to pray this prayer to you. Lord God, you are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now please bless your servant's house so that it will continue before you forever. For you, Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessings, your servant's house will be blessed forever. So, three things I see in the prayer of David that can help you and I learn to pray better. First, David opens his prayer in genuine humility. He asks, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my house that you've brought me this far? In verse 18. That doesn't seem to be false humility either, but a genuine wonder at God's choice to bless David and a genuine realization that David hasn't earned that blessing. 
For you and I, it's not likely that God will choose us to become kings of our nation, nor is it anywhere remotely likely that he will choose to put us in the royal lineage of Jesus. But we also have some stunning and wonderful blessings to thank God for and to be in wonder about. Who are we that Jesus would willingly pay the price for our sins and suffer and die to open the way for us to have eternal life in heaven? Like David, we should always approach God fully aware of the wonderful and undeserved salvation that is ours in Jesus. Second, David praises God for his goodness. This is why you are great, Lord God. He says, there's no one like you and there's no God beside you as all we have heard confirms. Now, the Westminster Catechism rightly says that the highest end and purpose of human beings is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's our highest purpose. The most noble thing that I can do as a human and that you can do as a human is to praise our great God. And David was overflowing with these kinds of praises. And this prayer, along with reading through the Psalms, can actually help you and I overflow with these kind of high praises. Finally, number three, David makes requests of God and reminds him of his promises. Verse 25, Now, Lord God, fulfill the promise forever that you have made to your servant in his house. Do as you have promised. Over and over again in the Bible, we see these spiritual giants, these people closest to God in the scripture, remind him of his promises. And look, let me be very clear. God forgets nothing. He does not need us to remind him of his promises. But this sort of thing happens so often in the Bible that I am convinced that this is a prayer activity that God blesses. Not so much because he needs the reminder, but because we need the reminder. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we pray with greater faith when we ourselves hear the promises of God. So really, by reminding him of these promises, we are really reminding ourselves. Again, I'm not suggesting we copy the great prayers of the Bible, but by reading them and thinking of them and learning from them, I believe that we ourselves can be better trained in prayer. Well, let's end the show with our Bible verse for March, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Well, as we're learning how to pray, it's great comfort to know that Jesus is interceding for us. Praise God for that. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.